0: In a world full of smart devices, isn't it about time your printer got smart, too? Now, printing is smart with HP+. And the HP Smart app is how it all happens. You can print from your phone with just a tap, no matter where you are, even from your garage slash home office slash yoga studio. Huh. That is smart. HP+. Learn more about smart printing at hp.com slash smart.
1: This is Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. I admit I looked at Maggie Gyllenhaal's Wikipedia page, and it does get some things right. She was nominated for an Academy Award for her work in Crazy Heart. She did get a Golden Globe Award for her performance in the British TV show The Honorable Woman. Maggie Gyllenhaal has worked in big-budget films like The Dark Knight and Nanny McPhee, but still finds time for off-Broadway plays. She did graduate from Columbia University, and she is married to the actor Peter Sarsgaard. But she did not appear in a production of Uncle Vanya, directed by Martin Scorsese. Her new movie is The Kindergarten Teacher, and it comes out this Friday from Netflix. I spoke with Hall last Friday at the Hamptons International Film Festival live at the Bay Street Theater in Sag Harbor. You were born in New York and raised in LA, and what was your childhood like in terms of um, uh, film, culture, theater? Were you like a big maven and you watched everything, or were you home watching Gilligan's Island like the rest of us?
2: Well, my parents were from New York, well, my dad was from Pennsylvania, my mom was from New York, from Brooklyn, and they were kind of new to L.A. You know, they they were filmmakers, and they drove across the country with me when I was, I think, 10 months old. They
1: went out there to make movies. Yeah,
2: yeah. And so they were lovers of movies. Um, I don't know. I, I wasn't really allowed to watch, like, Gilligan's Island. To be honest, it's yeah. like kind of that's good. Strange, but I was allowed to watch uh, Sesame Street. My mom actually was one of the people who she was like a PA on Sesame Street. She was one of the people who started the electric company, so I was allowed to watch those and uh, The Cosby Show. Um, <laughs> uh, that was what I was allowed to watch, and um, and a little bit of uh, um, Little House on the Prairie. And after Little House on the Prairie came on Chips, and I was like, I kind of. I, like, snuck in a little chips.
1: You what, no, want... No, what... Okay. Watch this. So what was it that drew you to chips? What did you like about chips?
2: I was really... on. Can I be honest with you? Yeah. That was, like, one of the first kind of, like, whoa, what is this feeling I'm feeling type of moment. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> like, Cops,
1: uh, motorcycles, freeway. Yeah, like freeway. the John Purse. Yeah. And
2: the, yeah, just the beginning, just the credits. That was like wow. all I... That
1: That's <laughs> why I like Gilligan's Island. Remote <laughs> Island, women there, Marianne, Ginger. It was the first time I had some of those feelings you have.
2: Yeah, but then my parents, it's funny, they were... They loved movies, and... um. Every weekend we would go see a movie for a long time, and they took us to a lot of things that I would never have taken my kids to, like really not appropriate.
1: So your parents are like, they don't want you to watch a certain kind of TV, but they want you totally to see weird. Don't Look Now. You know what I mean? They want you to go see like yeah. really eclectic films. and interesting.
2: But it films. was really my husband who was like, oh, you haven't seen this, you haven't seen Cassavetes, you haven't seen this, you haven't seen that, and like really clued me into...
1: He's a movie nut.
2: And also to, to, you know, cool... 70s movies, but also, like, really amazing actresses. I feel like he Such as? Well, like, he showed me all the Jen Rollins movies. He was... He used to tell me... (laughs) I feel so embarrassing saying this, because it was, like, a sort of a... I think he was just flirting with me, but he used to say he thought I reminded him of Diane Keaton, like, only in my wildest dreams. I mean, she's amazing. But he showed me some of her, like, great movies, and... um,
1: I went to dinner with Peter once with another girlfriend of his and he said the same thing to her. <laughs> you remind me of Diane Keaton.
2: It totally works. Yeah. It totally works. It
1: works like a charm.
2: <laughs> Young guys out there, yeah. keep that in your pocket.
1: <laughs> but he's a movie nut. Well,
2: he taught And you taught began to really me. expand. He really taught that. me, like, here's some, here's some things that, that you should see. And then still... Um, we were actually joking that um, someone was telling us we had to see the Watergate documentary and I was like yeah that's like a Peter Date Night movie like he's like we that's have a-, a moment together he actually oh do you know that movie Gamora yeah it's an amazing movie but it is brutal and he's like oh uh, we're, we're just about to get married right near here I heard this movie is great let's go see Gamora yeah you know yeah. And, or White Ribbon he took me on he's like a my date kind night of I had people Inland come over Empire. for Thanksgiving
1: wedding. I go let's watch Straw Dogs
2: Totally. You guys should go well, out together.
1: So when you you grew up in L.A., and your parents are making films, and you start acting when you're there, when you're very young.
2: I mean, not really. It's funny. I, um, I think it's in my Wikipedia page, like some of the other very untrue things we were talking your about. Your Wikipedia page is a mess. Yeah, totally. We're going to get to that. <laughs> um. That, that, I, that my debut was in Waterland, you know, which was a movie that my dad made. And in fact, I saw Waterland just the other day because they did a screening of it at Columbia and invited my dad. And so I went up to see it. I am in Waterland for five seconds. <laughs> and um, my dad had been making the movie in London and they had maybe four weeks in Pittsburgh and I was in school in LA and it was like a way I could go see my dad. It wasn't really my film debut. <laughs> now, when you, when you went to Columbia, where did you go study? I studied English, literature. You yeah.
1: didn't want to study theater, drama?
2: I started doing plays there. Um, I did. I did a lot. First, I mean, I, I had one teacher there who I learned a lot from, this woman Joan Rosenfels. But I don't know. I guess I was a and I sort of felt like I'm a Columbia. Like, I should study... Columbia does best. Yeah. Well, yeah. not
1: acting, yeah. Yeah. So. I tell people that now who are students uh, who go to degree granting universities for drama. And I say, don't just take drama yeah. and acting. Take uh, something where you're going to read a lot of books, philosophy, literature, yeah. history. But you're there getting. And what's the first production you do in New York, do you remember?
2: Like my first was. When you got in- to Columbia, you did
1: plays. What oh, yeah. would you do?
2: What did I do at Columbia? What was the first one? Oh. I did a student production of No Exit with this guy who became my boyfriend, named Dante, <laughs> who was actually 25 and had already graduated from college. So, but he was in a student yeah, production, Dante. Yeah, he Yeah. Was
1: sweet. Yeah. He'd be in prison now if that happened, <laughs> correct?
2: Exactly. So I did that. I also did um, The Tempest, and I played Prospero. Dante in that too? No, no, no. He didn't make it in that one. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that was the first one was No Exit.
1: When you, when you graduated with a degree in literature, was, was acting the goals or what you wanted to do?
2: Yeah, I did. I always wanted to be an actress. Uh-huh. And I feel, I feel like, yeah, yeah, okay, yes, in college you can read, although there's so much you're supposed to read. I feel like I never had read all of it. Uh-huh. But I feel like I really learned to write in college. And I don't know about you, but I feel like there's been so many times where I've had you know, lines I wanted changed or a cut that I wanted shifted or something I had to sort out on a set that I had to write an email or even have a conversation where I had to organize my thoughts before I had it where I think, thank God I went to college because I was able to say what I meant to say, you know. Well, it
1: helps if you have uh, that background because... Did you feel there was a progression for you in the beginning you were timid and shy you know less assertive and and I want to find out when did that begin to change? Was there a moment you sat there and you said, "I need to defend my position, and I think I know what I, what's best for me
2: I think you know I don't know that it was n- I think basically it was progressive, right? Like basically you're right. I was younger and newer and it was harder for me to say what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And it's gotten easier as I've had more experience. Mm-hmm. But I also think that different sets give way to a different way of working. So first I'm a jobbing actress and I'm trying to get jobs. And I come in for two days or one afternoon or whatever. And you're like, oh, you, okay, you want me to do it like that? Um, I I don't know, that doesn't sound really very good to me, but I'm afraid to say, let's say. Or maybe I do try to say and I get shut down and I accept it and whatever. That's like, you know, it's very hard to do when you're coming in for one second. It's like going to a new school where everybody knows each other and you're there for an afternoon. But then, like, when I worked on Secretary, which was really early on, I mean, I was 22, I had a real point of view about what I wanted to say and, and Steve Shainberg, who directed it, was really interested in that. Yeah. And I also think he knew that things were happening that I didn't have any idea were happening um,
1: wasn't all on the page.
2: And also, my 22, I think I'm being very intellectual, and I've come from college, and I studied feminist theory and everything, you know, and I think I'm saying this. And I think, I even mean, who's 20 years older than me, that he was able to see, uh, I know she thinks she's saying this, but this whole other thing is also happening. And, um and he put all that in the film. But so that was a space where I felt I was totally able to... Collaborative. Yes. Yeah. And then I went to work on a movie after that, which I won't name, where I was totally shut down. And and I was shocked by it.
1: I, I always remember, like, you go to a movie and... This is just you know my opinion, but like you do a film and you want to be told what to do basically. My my whole thing is you're making the movie. What movie are you making? What, 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 how do I fit in? Mm. I, I do one of the first movies I did. Uh, I was lucky. I did this movie Working Girl with Mike Nichols, and Nichols says uh, you're gonna I have sex. That. Yeah, he goes you're gonna have sex with this woman, and she catches you having sex. How would you uh, have sex they are being caught? And I go well, and I try to think of like what's the most comical, you know, thing. And he goes, he goes, uh, and he was very gracious. He's like, he's like, that's not a bad idea. That's not a bad idea. But what I think really sells it if she's just completely naked and you're completely naked and she's just sitting right on top of you, yeah. just riding you. And, I, and me and the actor were like, oh. <laughs> we had a much more chaste and kind of like silly version of that. And me and the girl were like, and he was like, okay, come, come now, close off, let's right. go. But the idea of that clarity, time-saving, somebody who comes in and says this, yeah,
2: but the you thing prefer is, that? Well, I always use my fantasy movie I would have made with Mike Nichols as like the example of if Mike Nichols is directing this, yes, I want to be told exactly what to do, please. Like I, I watch his movies and I'm like, uh, he's directing everybody. He's, like, pushing everybody further and deeper and funnier and wilder than they ever would go. In fact, the one time I worked with Mike Nichols was on um, this reading. It's not a not a movie or even a play that was ever produced. It was just a, a, a few-day-long reading of a play that Alan Alda wrote. Bob Balaban directed the reading, but Mike was sort of producing it, I guess. He came up to me after a day of rehearsal and he just said she's feral the character and i've i've often thought that was the best direction i've ever gotten because it doesn't say like you know i don't know directors ever come up to you and say like i'm worried that we're not going to be able to tell that you're mad because you're acting so nice and i'm worried that it's not going to communicate you know or i'm afraid that you're going too far in this direction or i'm afraid that you're you know, going to confuse people by something that you're doing. I I have been told that before. Um, But Mike Nichols is basically going, like, go further. Like, in any direction you could possibly go. Like what he said to you, you know, go all the way. She's feral. I was playing Marie Curie, and he's saying, like, she's a wild animal. She's a wild cat. (laughs) Because the other part's taken care of. She's Marie Curie, you know.
1: All the French radiologists knew that back then. She was wild, that Marie Curie.
2: But so I want to be told what to do. Yes, I wish for that kind of collaboration. But I don't, I don't go in expecting that it's going to happen. I want it.
1: Who is a director you worked with? Because I, I, I think you and I maybe share this from what you said, where we're not out to uh, um, offend anyone. But you know, think of somebody who it was really just great, you loved working with.
2: Um...
1: Other than your current collaboration. We're going to get to that, but Which I one. did love, yes. my
2: current collaboration. Um, huh, I have a few that I've really loved. Um, Martin Scorsese on Banya? Right. That uh, Martin Scorsese directed supposedly, um, according to Wikipedia, me and my husband I'm in researching a 200-seat on theater in New Wikipedia, it says she
1: did an Uncle Vanya at... At, at, uh, uh, at
2: CSC. At CSC. It's like a tiny at, black
1: box theater in New York. And it says, Martin Scorsese directed The Checkout. And I go, my God, this is like... The seismic thing that got by me—it's like it's like someone walking up to you, going, "You know the Lindbergh baby was kidnapped, right?" It's
2: totally like, no, was. I didn't know that. And then yeah. in this Wikipedia entry that Alec just showed me, it then goes on to quote a terrible review of me in the play.
1: That's not supposedly. a good section of that no. Wikipedia. I gotta get. So on Scorsese that. did not direct. No, Bond but yet. Austin so,
2: Pendleton did, and he is one of the most incredible directors I've ever worked with in my why. life. Austin, um... It's funny. Austin asked me to do uh, Uncle Vanya, and he... when, When they offered it to me, they sent me this interview with Austin, and it basically talks about this sort of incredible way that he likes to work with actors, you know, where everyone's free to respond to each other in the moment, on stage, you know, all the fantasies that actors have of a way that you could actually really work together, which rarely happens. And I was like, Austin... I'd love to do this. I'd love to work this way, you know, where it's all just reacting to the reality of the moment with the other person on stage. And, but how, everybody says that's what they want to do. How are you actually going to do it? Mm. And he's like, well, you got to come and work with me to find out. And the truth is, is I, I don't know how he created this situation where everybody on stage had deep respect for each other, even though, it was clear to me that there were actors who were stronger than others. That there were, but it made no difference. You know, I, I know one way he did it. I remember the first day of, re- of rehearsal. He said, "However you imagined uh, Sonia, whatever fantasy you had of who Sonia was going to be when you read this play, Sonia is her. Sonia is this person, and all the feelings you have about this person, about the way that that." ricochets off what you anticipated when you read the play. That's all useful. But Sonia is her. And so we did create this little black box theater situation where, and I did it with my husband and he's a brilliant actor. So that was cool. Um, And we got to pretend we were having an affair. Both checkoffs we did, we were playing people who were having affairs, which was really hot and great. You know? (laughs) Uh, But I loved working with Austin. I also loved... um, I loved Hugo Blick, who directed *The Honorable Woman*. Um, you got a Golden Globe for that. Yeah. That
1: was that you mentioned me. That was one of the longest times you were overseas and away from home. Yeah, and shooting. And
2: it's funny. I, I really admire what you said about how, for you, um, your your trust is a director's to lose. I I wish I could be like that, but I'm not. And I go in with my guard up and secretly I want the deepest most intense artistic collaboration possible but I don't it's not easy for me and with Hugo I think we were both like that and you know it was eight hours of television I'd only ever done a two-hour movie before I didn't know how to do that. And I'm in mean, every minute of every scene and it's super intense. A lot of work with somebody to be yeah, with Yeah, and it could have been terrible, you know, but I remember about two-thirds of the way through, somebody, I, I came over to him and I, I just sort of said something in his ear about the scene. Oh, I think we need to shift this and actually can we move this here and could this happen over here? Just oh, almost shorthand at this point. And he was like, yeah, absolutely. And someone sitting next to him said, do you just do whatever she says? And he said, he's English also, he said, I trust her completely, like that. And I i took it in, like, whoa, actually, he was kidding, but I kind of think he does. And then, at the very end, on the very, very last day, I had this voiceover to record, which plays at the beginning of every episode. And it's basically about trust. And it basically, I think it says something like, You have to just, I mean, not in these words, but what it meant was you either trust nobody or you just jump off the cliff and you trust. And I was like, um, he put me in this little room to record it because we'd forgotten to record it. And I was like, Hugo, do you mind if I say it to you? And so he came in the room with me. And I basically, the the subtext, I guess, of what I was saying to him was, I trust you, (laughs) you know?
1: Maggie Gyllenhaal. She said in an interview that she would probably be a different person by the end of her work on The Honorable Woman. Hi, I'm Alec Baldwin. Don't you think it's cool to care... Carrie Yuma knows fast fashion's not sustainable, and decided to spin that conscious mindset to create high-quality, low-impact sneakers. Their best-selling Akka style is the perfect, durable sneaker for dressing up or down, pairing a fresh look with broken-in level comfort. Akka is made with organic cotton canvas and ethically sourced rubber and every pair comes with Karayuma's signature cork and Mamona oil insoles. Akka's already found its way into my summer shoe rotation. Find your pair and choose from a range of bold and beautiful colors. Right now, there's 15% off at com
3: slash alec.
1: This is Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. Sarah Calangelo directed Maggie Gyllenhaal's new movie, The Kindergarten Teacher. Gyllenhaal told me she heard about the project at a
2: holiday party. Two people at the party said, have you heard about this script, The Kindergarten Teacher? It's coming to you. And I don't know about you, but for me, and and it's great. And for me, I think it's really, really rare to read a great script. And also to have two people in one night out of nowhere just say, like, there's this great script and it's coming to you. I was like, okay, okay. (laughs) I was waiting every day after that for the script to come. And it took a while, and when it came, I read it, and I... um. I had that feeling, like you just, I've had it like three times, you know, where I was like, and also if if you have seen the movie and I won't give anything away, the ending is pretty great. And I closed the last page of the script and I was like, I want this movie, you know, and it wasn't clear to me that it was offered to me, which actually just increased my appetite for it more, (laughs) of course. They say now it always was, but... I didn't know that. And one of the producer's mothers was having an operation in the hospital and like nobody got back to me for a few days after I like really energetically raised my hand and was like, "Yes, please. What do I got to do?" And again, just waiting just made me want it more. And then and then they came back and they were like, "Oh, yes, we always meant to to and It's based get it on a, another film. Yeah, it's based on an Israeli movie um which I haven't seen um deliberately. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I probably should see it now. Um, I've heard wonderful things about it, and I've heard that narratively it's very similar, and yet it tells an almost entirely different story. So our movie, I think, is really about the consequences of what happens when you starve a vibrant woman's mind told from the point of view of a group of women filmmakers. And our conclusion is that it's fucking dire, <laughs> you know? That's and I think the Israeli movie, which has a very similar narrative, is, um, is much more about masculinity in Israel and art in a country at war and very different things, even though the story itself is very similar. Um, so, yeah, so I got the script, and then and I wa- signed up, and then, you know, um, it was not easy to get our money. In fact, at Sundance, when we first premiered, I shook the hands of 50 executive producers who had, you know, all together somehow helped us cobble together the money to make it, so we spent a while um, doing that, and then we made it in 23 days in New York.
1: In New York. Yeah. Now, when you work with... Uh, uh, and this sounds like a silly thing, but I always think about this in terms of the the brevity of schedules now and the pressure to shoot efficiently now. But with children, I find is very uh, uh, specific. And in the movie, in for my money, the the the, the young boy, what's his name? Uh, uh,
2: Jimmy in J- the movie, J- no, no, the, character the Parker.
1: Parker, mm-hmm. the boy, who's, its we, we had the funniest moment yesterday because I said, this kid's fantastic after the movie. And somebody from the festival said, well, he loves Boss Baby. <laughs> He's like, how old is he? Like five. He's sexy six. Six. Like so we go backstage and I'm like, this is amazing. You're doing like this really hypnotic, creepy drama, which is great. And I'm in Boss Baby. <laughs> I mean, you and I, we have so much in common, you and I. You know, we're, we're both in the business different wings of the business maybe (laughs) Parker but we had a lot of fun with him but when you're working with somebody like a lot of times kids are performing and the kids that that climb the ladder a little bit in that division they're very you know uh, they're ready to come you know sing tomorrow on Mm. Broadway Mm. and uh, Mm. uh, he's not no he's very real yeah And was that a decision you and she talked about, you and Sam? Yeah,
2: I mean, I felt a couple of things very strongly. I have a child who's six and who was five when we made it just like Parker's five. So it's hard to remember what it's like to be five. I mean, how different the world is, unless you're five. You have a five-year-old, I know, right? Yeah. Or unless you're living living with a five-year-old. And then you're in that mind kind of so I felt two things I felt I almost didn't do the movie at one point because I thought no movie no matter how much I love it or think it's important or whatever is worth disturbing a child even for a few minutes yeah. so I was like how are we going to do this and I, I also don't think um, five, six year olds are actors I just don't believe that. And I don't think it's fair to ask them to be actors. So, so I felt like, so basically we worked in a couple ways. I learned this from Emma Thompson, actually, who um, I'm in love with and who, um, who did uh, Nanny McPhee. We did Nanny McPhee together and we had tons of kids. And so often, especially with the very littlest one, um, we would just be like, stand on the X. Now look at that big black X on the, on the wall and turn your head when I say so. When I clap, turn your head and say, I don't want to go. And he would, we would clap, he'd turn his head, he'd say, I don't want to go. And I would say, no, 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 sing it, like me. I don't want to go, I want to go, no. And then he would just sort of repeat. We, I would be like, you have to just sing it. To like Parker. Now. To Parker, sing it. And so then he'd kind of just imitate my inflections. That was one way we worked with him. So that it was just a song. It wasn't like he actually, you can't say to a five-year-old I want you to get in touch with the way in which you, I mean like um, but the other thing you can do with five-year-olds is that they will forget that the camera's on them. Sort of. So we ran all the kindergarten stuff as if it were kindergarten. I mean you see them singing those songs with me or painting or you're not going to say okay we're going to pretend to paint or we're going to like pretend to write X's on a piece of paper. Just going to do it and we choreographed the camera I would sort of see where the camera was going almost like a documentary and then I would just like scoot over to wherever the camera was and begin the scene with whoever I needed to be talking to in that scene and then the other funny thing about kids and the like short schedule is um, there were quite a few times where I did scenes with our first AD or our gaffer who would read off camera for me because the little boy had to go and I, I'd be like, this is really weird. But, huh. You know, like the way you can trip yourself out as an actor, kind of, and you can be like, oh, there's helicopters going over all the time. We have to keep stopping in the middle. I'm really frustrated. And then all of a sudden, the frustration just goes back into the scene. So this one, I was like, oh, this is like a hairy 50-year-old guy with like a scrubby, you know... Easy now, <laughs> easy now. <laughs> no, no, our first AD, our first AD. And, and he's lying on the ground, slating, also. And I'd be like, oh, but I'm, okay, so I'm basically talking to this child as if he's a man. You know, you just figure out the way to throw it back in. Because what else are you going to do?
1: Well, I'd love it if on my next film, you would come and do that exacting acting with me. Would you be there for me? <laughs> you know, you'll be my mirror Rostova, you know, like off the set, going, okay, turn, okay, and turn to me. I say I don't want to go to prison. I don't want to go to prison for tax evasion. I don't want to go to prison for tax evasion. You know, we could do that. You'd be my acting coach. Um, The um, uh, that's amazing. Uh, You know. That ex-acting thing. I, I need to work with you, man. I'm dying to get a script with you. It was, it was
2: Emma Thompson, really. Emma and Thompson. You can imagine. Us, She's we'll pretty damn good at that, too.
1: Now, what about Sarah?
2: How many films did she make before she made this film? I loved working with Sarah. Yeah. And it was a totally different kind of experience than I had ever had before. And in some ways, I like to think it's... It was a very feminine set, right? Sarah wrote and directed it. Our financiers were women... Our producers were women. It's all about a woman. Um, but I'd worked with a lot of other women and had very different kinds You've of experiences. You've worked with a few women directors. I right? have. Yeah. I've worked with many. I mean, even on The Deuce last season, seven out of eight directors were women. You know? Is so, there a difference? Well, there is a difference. Yeah, there is. But that's not necessarily what made, I think, my collaboration with Sarah and our set on The Kindergarten Teacher so... I don't know, unusual, yeah, feminine, but I don't even totally know what that means. Even when I watch the movie, I'm like, this is feminine. Like, what does that mean, and why? And my husband, after he saw it last night, he was like, I wish someone would send this to Senator Flake. <laughs> but but I don't really know totally why, right? It's not a political movie, but it's it's like somehow it's really kind of straight, purely feminine thing. You know, it it makes me think of the piano. Not this movie. I would never compare it to that. But the experience I had when I saw the piano and I was like 16 or something and I had never seen anything like it. I was like, what? Mm -hmm. Like, I I guess I think in some ways um, girls, women, my age... We get so used to having to relate to a male character or even, let's just say, like a sort of masculine point of view on something. We're like, yeah, yeah, that's not exactly my experience, but I could twist it around and make it relatable to me. And that muscle is very exercised, I think, Mm. in most women. We're like, yeah, yeah, I I know it's not exactly my way through the world, but I I could just twist a little. And it... It's cool, I get it. Mm. And thank God, because otherwise we'd have very little to relate to. But then, like, when I saw the piano, I was like, whoa, I feel so relaxed. I don't have to twist anything. And um, I felt that way when I read Sarah's script. I just, like, went straight in. and
1: when I, when I saw this last night, what I love is that it's not a bad, I don't want to give it away, but the dynamic of the home is not all bad. No. But there's things that maybe, in my mind, you know, are missing there's yeah. things you want that yeah. are gone, yeah. and connections and feelings that no, are gone. No, exactly.
2: It's a much easier movie if her home life is like horrible. Really, the husband. If, if yeah. everything's just awful, instead she's That's, like, see, I'm not
1: going to give away the scene on the phone. Yeah. And your husband's like, he's ready to, you know, do a little dance with you, and then the phone rings. Oh yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Really upsetting scene. Yeah. It's so fucked up. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's true. There's a couple of really
1: fucked up scenes in this movie. It's incredible. It's true. Um, One more thing before we take some questions. Do we have the mics poised for the questions? We do? Okay, one last question I have for you, which is, so you're doing The Deuce. You're on HBO. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, How did that happen? Meaning, how did they reel you in? I mean, I'm not just saying this for your benefit. You were one of the most admired movie actresses in the business, Everybody says this. Everybody, you're 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 gorgeous and you're talented and you're all these things. So when you go to do the TV thing, how did they hook you?
2: Well, huh? I just—it's so funny though because, like, in the first three episodes, which was all I read of the Deuce, Candy didn't really have all that much to do. That's why you took the job. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, but it's weird because I was just talking with Peter about this when we were walking on the beach here today. I was like, yeah, when I first there wasn't she turned so amazing i mean i love playing candy i really do um but i just had like a feeling i don't know i was it was david simon and george pelicanos i mean they've made some pretty damn good tv and i had done the honorable woman with hugo who i told you i loved so much so it wasn't my first time in tv i wasn't like snobby about tv i wanted it you know i wanted a good job you know that that I could count on but also stay home yes and to be home but also I was like I don't know I just had a good feeling I was like I just want to play this woman I want to I want to try it I want to see I want to see if I can do this it was so far outside of my experience to play a sex worker in 1971 um I just like liked her I just had a I just had like this feeling about it
1: You signed for three seasons
2: Three seasons. Not a long contract. No, yeah. that's cool. And I guess I well, and you know there was this whole thing where I was like, guys, I I've only read three. There's going to be twenty four. How do I know? I mean, I think you guys are all right, but what if this becomes something? I mean, I've I never had signed on trust. to something like that before. Well, that's true. T word. But again, like I said, I don't trust that well, so. I asked them if I could be a producer. And, and the thing is, is when, and everyone said to me, you are never going to get that. On a big HBO show, you've never produced television before, you didn't develop it. Like, good luck, Maggie. But then they were like, okay, Great. let's be partners. Good for you. And, um, and I was like, oh, wow. Good for you, <laughs>
1: you know? good for you. Um, do we have, uh, who do we have over
3: here? Yes, sir. How did you prepare for your role as a teacher? Did you interview teachers? Did you shadow teachers?
2: Um, well, I, yeah. I felt in this movie where this woman ends up doing a lot of really problematic things. The movie only really works if you are on her side for a really, really long time. You're on her side even when she's crossing lines. You would never imagine you would be on anyone's side while they were crossing Um, And so, you know, it was important to me that she'd be a great teacher, like a really extraordinary teacher. So, uh, yeah, my daughter was, um, I had one older daughter uh, that I had a daughter who was in preschool. And I asked her preschool teacher, do you know, like a great kindergarten teacher who's not at this school? because I didn't really want to mix it with my kids' school. And she recommended this woman on the Upper West Side, and I went up there all the time, sat in her classroom. I got so much from her. She had dinner with Sarah and I once and gave us like some more tips, but I, sat, I, I, I yeah, shadowed her. I, I sat there for hours. I learned a ton from her. She was great.
1: Um, um, uh, somebody up there in the back?
0: We saw your film last night, and your performance was stunning, and I did want to thank you for that. I'm wondering... <laughs> <laughs> um, you pick such unconventional roles. I can't help but wonder if the role that you felt you executed the best was it the same role that your critics thought you executed the best? You know, from inside out does you know, do those two things match up for you?
1: Do you and your critics think the same?
2: <laughs> well, one thing I think is interesting you say that, that they're unconventional roles, but um I just when you said that word, I thought Actually, the thing I like love about the few roles that I've done that I feel the most proud of, um, that I think I executed the best, as you put it, um, I think are actually sort of the most human people. So maybe the most conventional in terms of being like we actually are. And I know the woman in the movie does it, it, things that many of us would never, ever do, but in so many other ways, she's like, I relate to her so much you know she's, she totally could be a friend of mine and even the ways she's confused or the fact that she's confused I understand I have compassion for her um, I don't know in terms of I don't know about, about whether I guess I would say this recently I would say since the Honorable Woman I think I've had this feeling where I'm most proud of the last thing I've done which I'm um, I feel really grateful for. Like, I feel like, okay, I'm, I'm making the choices that are right for me right now, because I am I feel like I keep, I don't know, learning about what I'm doing as time goes on. I'm sure I'll take a dip and take a wrong route for a while. <laughs> but at the moment, it's been like, I feel, yeah, the most proud of the, of the most recent work.
1: I had an actor once say to me, who oh, was this very funny guy, older guy when he was very good, he said, remember one thing about reviews. He said, when they say you're bad, you're never as bad as they say you are. I mean, if it's not great, you're never as bad. And when they say you're really good or you're great, you're always even better than they said you were. <laughs> They're even better than that. They never totally. get it right. They don't know how.
2: I know. That's so funny that, like, I, I gotta, like, take that little piece of that Wikipedia thing and, like, put it up somewhere. This is so mean.
1: With the <laughs> so, Daily yeah. News.
2: The Daily what News, do yeah. They, know. they hated my Elena.
1: Uh, we, we uh, right there, yes, sir, <laughs> we who's straining out of your chair. The restroom is down to the right, sir.
3: How do you define feminine sir. and masculine?
2: No, see, I can't. That's what I'm saying. I don't want to be reductive about it, and I can't define feminine and masculine. I'm just trying to say there's, like, something, and it doesn't... Okay. Oh, I mean, I don't want to get, like, super... This is just things that are on my mind right now. Like, what does it mean to make a feminine movie? I don't know the answer to that. I just know that if you're living in a masculine world, fundamentally, which I'd say it's pretty clear we are, even a misogynistic world, right... It's It doesn't... Just because you're a woman who directs a movie or just because you're a woman who writes a movie doesn't mean it's feminine, right? You have to twist yourself and fit yourself all your life. And like like, Virginia Woolf in A Room of One's Own has this whole thing about how, like, even, even Charlotte Bronte, she said she's not really making purely feminine work because she's, like, hiding her paper under her sewing or whatever. And so that's what I mean when I say... I saw the piano, and it had some like like a effect on me when I was sixteen. There, I did this interview with um, Trevor Noah, you know, it was about the Deuce. Actually, it wasn't about the kindergarten teacher, but he'd seen the preview for the kindergarten teacher, and he was like, "I saw the preview." He said, "Is it a thriller, or is it like an intimate movie about a woman's mind, or is it like a horror movie?" And and I I. I loved that and I keep coming back to it because I think it's not any of those it's new and I think it might be new because it's feminine (laughs) it doesn't tick the boxes we're used to but again I don't know I'm a little confused about this
1: Uh, we have just time for a couple more quick ones Uh, the lady right there on the end we'll do two more two more quick ones
0: I have a very quick question. If you weren't an actor, what would you do? Or what would you want to do?
2: Oh, man, I'm really, I'm not good at very many other things. I mean, I'm like an okay cook. I have a friend who's a professor, which I'd love to think, like, maybe I could, like, be an English teacher or something. But I wouldn't be any good at it. I mean, are you good at other things?
1: (laughs) So good. Whatever I'm good at, I'm so much better at than you've been let believe I'm so good. And I'm not right really that bad at any of it. An it's just, are you really, are you never any thoughts about?
2: Maybe professional ice skating?
1: Wow. Um, yes. Okay, um,
0: considering what you've said
1: about literature and being an English major, and you're probably a great reader, if you could option a book
2: and do your movie but not be in it, what would you do? Well, I did actually just option a book, and I'm not going to be in it. I'm adapting it, and I'm going to direct it. And uh, it's called The Lost Daughter by Elena Ferrante. All
1: right, so my last question is a two-parter. Because we're going to be out of time. My last question is a quick two-parter. Now, I, I had a very fleeting role in Looming Tower with your husband. Got to work with your husband for the first time, Peter Sarsgaard. And my first question, which is a silly question, is, is your husband really as sweet as he seems?
2: Yeah, my he's husband He's one of the loveliest has,
1: men I've ever met in my life. He's
2: a damn good husband. He's a I'm, sweet I'm, guy. I'm thrilled
1: he's, with him. And what's that like for you, being two people who are working all the time, very successful movie actors... That's, uh, is it wonderful to be with somebody who understands what you're going through? I'm married yes. to a woman that's not in the business. And sometimes yes. it's like.
2: like sometimes <laughs> I'll be like, when are you coming home? I don't understand. When yeah. are you coming home? Like, we had planned such and such. And he's like, Maggie, you know I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah.
1: My wife was like, <laughs> my wife sometimes is like, Alec, why are you so dramatic? And I'm like, <laughs> duh. <laughs> anyway, Maggie, Dillen all everybody. And now an update. After a newspaper story appeared about this conversation, Gyllenhaal's Wikipedia page has been revised. Maggie Gyllenhaal's new movie, The Kindergarten Teacher, comes out on Netflix October 12th. This is Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing...
3: Hey, it's Chuck Bryant from Movie Crush, and I want to let you know about a very special episode where I speak with TV legend Alan Ball on the 20th anniversary of his landmark HBO show, Six Feet Under. We cover everything from the show's inception to its legendary final season and finale. So many people have said that it it was such a strong ending that that's uh, definitely very gratifying. A lot of other great shows have not been quite so lucky. So head over to Movie Crush wherever you find your favorite shows and check out our Six Feet Under 20th Anniversary Special with Alan Ball.